Hello and welcome to the Dragon Thistle Rugby Podcast. Um, bit of a different one this week, uh, unfortunately due to uh, sort of internet connection issues, technical issues. Um, I'm sort of uh, running solo on the podcast this week. Um, don't worry, you will be hearing from Mike. We're just having to sort of uh, record separately. We tried to uh, <clears throat> do the podcast together before, but unfortunately it just wouldn't work. So uh, yeah, just me for now, but you will be hearing from Mike. Obviously, with the uh, Scottish team that was announced for the Autumn Internationals this week, um, he'll be giving you his uh, his opinion. Um, if anyone's seen us on Twitter, you can uh, you would have seen he's already uh, he's had a bit of uh, chat um, on Twitter and discussed his opinions. So uh, yeah, you will be hearing him on this episode. Uh, but for now, obviously, it's just me, unfortunately. Um, uh, nothing much is going to change. I'll obviously go through some news. Uh, there's quite a bit of news to get through. I'll preview um, the Pro 14 games that were played at the weekend from the regions and the two Scottish games, uh, two Scottish teams, sorry. And then obviously I'm going to put my give you sort of my opinion on the Scottish team that was picked. Um, so yeah, we'll move on from there. Um, obviously for myself, fortunately I'm in. Uh, I'm in the uh, the tier three, so I'm in full lockdown where I am at the moment. So no pubs, um, can't go anywhere, can't do anything basically. So yeah, lovely. Um, so I'll move on to some news. Um, so it's a bit weird this without Mike. I never thought I'd say that. Like he's quite annoying usually. So uh, yeah, so some sort of news coming out today. Uh, not necessarily to do the Six Nations teams, but potentially in the future. So South Africa, uh, it would seem, uh, are going not going to play in the Rugby Championship uh, this year. Obviously, I think it was start in November. Um, probably due to the fact that they've hardly played any rugby. Obviously, Australia and New Zealand, they've had their own Super Rugby competitions. Argentina will be going there without, obviously, uh, any rugby. I think they've either arrived in Australia or they're arriving next week. Um, but the ramifications of that is Sanzar's obviously turned around and given them a deadline. It sounds like South Africa is just going to say no. Um, so does that mean South Africa would be potentially moving to the Six Nations if uh, Sanzar kicked them out? Obviously, we don't know. Uh, it's the only place they can go. Um, to play their international rugby regularly. Otherwise, you know, apart from the autumn internationals that we usually have, um, they wouldn't be having any competition. So could it turn into a seven nations? Could a team be relegated? Um, so South Africa take a place. Obviously, that's something for the future, something to discuss. Um, so yeah, more could come from that. Uh, obviously, that's later down the line. Um, so come out this week. The WRU uh, was speaking about the losses that they've made um, just from sort of COVID. Um, they said just from the Scotland game that was called off in the Six Nations, they lost eight million just for that, just for that game. So it tells you how much sort of they lost. Um, you know, if you think that's eight million for one game, it's the Six Nations. Just think of the games that we would have played for home games. Um, for the Autumn Internationals. We're not going to get that. They've said overall losses are 5.3 million, um, 
which I mean doesn't sound a lot when you compare it to sort of football, but this is rugby and rugby's in a bad position. So um, the sooner we can get crowds back into games and we can get people uh, watching rugby again, the better. Um, the more people that are uh, sort of coming back into rugby, the more money that we can put in. Uh, help out greatly. So yeah, they're losing a lot of money, and I know I understand it's probably the same for all unions as well. Um, uh, a few congratulations, Alan Wynne Jones, um, this week in the Queen's Honours list. He got an OBE for services to rugby, probably just for being an absolute legend. To be fair, um, and then Gareth Thomas and Warren Gatlin both got CBEs. Uh, Gareth Thomas is for sport, uh, services to sport and health. So I think he does a lot for charity and um, same again, another legend. Mm-hmm. And obviously um, Gatland for services to rugby. So that will obviously be his, his coaching for Wales where he was very successful. And also um, I'd imagine for his time with the British Lions where he's, uh, he's also been quite successful as well. So congratulations to those three. Um We'll move on to sort of the Welsh the Welsh national team. Um, it was reported today that Sam Warburton would be stepping down from his uh, coaching role uh, with Wales. He's just had a, another baby and he's got other business interests. So I think he stepped down because he can't uh, dedicate all his time to Wales. But the good news is that Gethin Jenkins, um, obviously... A world-class prop, world-class player in his time. He's actually stepped in to help with um, with the defence. I think he's been called a technical coach or a tactical coach. Um, so good to see him. He's been working with Cardiff Blues uh, youth teams and the Welsh under-20s. So he's actually got some good coaching experience in him. Uh, pity not to see Walton there. Um, it'd have been nice to see how that sort of worked out for him, but you can understand it. But I think as replacements go, I don't think they get much better a guy's played over 100 tests, uh, knows what it's what it's like to be a top-class international. So, yeah, a good appointment there. Um, unfortunately, it goes from sort of good news to sort of bad news. Unfortunately, uh, Ken Owens and Josh McLeod um, have been ruled out of the Autumn Nations completely. I think uh, Ken Owens is a shoulder injury. And McLeod is, uh, I think it's a hamstring. They both got in the, Glos- uh, the, the Glasgow game. Uh, I mean, gutted, gutted for, uh, gutted for them both. Um, Elliot D and James Davis have been called instead. A I, I, bit more upset for, a bit more gutted for Josh McLeod. He's he's finally got his call up just 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 due to pure form. He had the most turnovers in the Pro 14 last season. He started the season pretty, pretty good as well. Um, yeah, one of them uncapped players that probably would have had a uh, probably end up having a run out for the amount of uh, back rows we actually picked in the squad. So massively devastated for him to be missing out on the potential uh, for a first cap. Uh, with Ken Owens, obviously a big loss. He's an experienced player. Um, at the same time, and I know a few people might disagree with this because you know he is a British Lion. Ken Owens is thirty three. Realistically, is he going to play in the next World Cup? I know it's three years away, but we see our other hookers are quite inexperienced. Um, you know, Elliot D who's come in was usually sort of the bench support for um, for Ken Owens. I'd imagine Sam Parry and Ryan Elias are probably going to get their opportunity um, uh, with 
Elliot D sort of only being called into the um, squad now. So, yeah, we'll see on that. I mean, as bad as it is not to have the sheriff in the team, it would be good. Um, our three hookers, like you say, between them, probably haven't got that many caps, are going to get um, a good run out. Um, so, yeah, interesting to see. Good for the future. Uh, obviously not great for Ken because it's nice to have him in the uh, squad. Um so obviously that moves in swiftly to um, the Welsh, the Welsh France game. That's been uh, a lot of news over that over the last few weeks, um, last month I'd say, um, with friction between um, the French Federation and the people who actually run. Um, I think it's the top fourteen in France. Um, so the news is the Wales France game is on. A week on Saturday, Wales will be playing France in Paris. Um, they've managed to broker a deal. They actually took the the league actually took the uh, French Union to court, and the court basically turned around and said, "Sort out yourselves." Very French. It's very French, but they said, "Stop being dickheads and sort out between you." So uh, apparently, the ruling is um, there can only be thirty one players in a match day. Squad, uh, sorry, in in the squad for each game, so obviously players can be released back to clubs, and the French players out of the six games, the French players are only going to be able to play th- in three of them. So each player can only play in three of the six games. So I'd imagine they're going to split. You'd imagine they're going to split into two squads, um, and probably save the best players for the hardest games that they'll they'll have in the next, um, in the next six games. So. Yeah, interesting one there. So it's good though because we managed to get a hit up before obviously Wales plays Scotland in the Six Nations. Um it's exactly what we need. We didn't really there was rumours of um first division and under twenty players playing Wales, which had just been pointless. Um both teams probably need a decent hit out. Hopefully um we get to see a few new players for Wales. I think it's a good opportunity. Um be a good opportunity for some of the players who haven't had a lot of rugby in the last year, probably since the World Cup, to get a run out before the Scotland game. So, thankfully, that game is on after what can only be described as typical French um, stuff in the background. Now, during that game, Wales will be playing in their new kit, which was unveiled this week. And I'm going to say straight from the start, I obviously... If you've listened to our previous pods, I've obviously I've had me say on the Wales kit, and obviously Macron uh, being the new shirt sponsor, uh, I wasn't happy, and um, obviously you know, I was like a child. Toys came out the pram, the lot like it wasn't happy. That was it, it was done, and um, and I've I've only gone and bought a shirt. I've done it. I've bought one of the shirts. Now, to be fair to Macron, I was totally impressed. When they unveiled it, I was totally impressed with the Liverpool shirt they give us. <laughs> um, no, no, it, it's it's a nice shirt. Both shirts, home and away, really impressive. I'm not sure if I... My problem with Macron is he's so used to that Under Armour. We've had it for 12 years. The logo looks like the logo that should be on, like you see on like a council leisure centre. It's just, oh, I don't know. But the kit in general, I've got to be honest, it is one of the better, in my opinion, it's one of the better kits we've had 
um good looking kits we've had for a while um my my wife is a huge liverpool fan so we're both basically gonna have similar kits in the house now and there is a, a, a striking resemblance to the uh, Liverpool shirt. I did read some that somewhere the other day that someone was um, basically saying Wales were jumping on the bandwagon over Liverpool's success um, because this shirt design was only done the other week, obviously. So no, there's been there's been a nice bit of banter on uh, Wales's uh, Twitter page. If you go on there, they've had a nice little bit of banter about hope. Hopefully, people don't rush. Or hope people rush to get the shirt and they buy Marnie shirt. So, uh, yeah, good banter by the Welsh Rugby Union. So, yeah, I changed my opinion. I bought one. I mean, if, if anything, we're talking about all the record losses. The shirts aren't cheap. And, you know, I can't just, you know, the player shirts are £95 and the replica shirt £70. I personally, I bought a £70 shirt. I bought a double XL because people have been telling me... Um, about the sizing issues. Uh, usually in Under Armour, I was an XL, but I've had to go at an X, a double XL. But I'm kind of wishing I'm a triple XL. I'm, you know, I'm a 6'5", quite a big bloke. Um, so yeah, we'll wait and see. I'll probably, once I get my shirt, um, I'll do a little review. I'll put it on Instagram or Twitter. I'll do a little review of the shirt. At the moment, it looks really good. Um, time will tell. Time will tell. But yeah, um, hopefully it's a winning shirt. Um, it's been rumoured this week. I mean, we I think I've talked about this quite a bit about Will Rollins. He had he had an absolute blinder at the weekend for Wasps against Bristol. Absolutely tore him apart. He was uh, he was proper proper impressive, along with Thomas Young in that game, um, and obviously a few of the English lads. We won't talk about them. But the rumour is that now this uh, now their season's coming to an end. They've only got one more game. That the Dragons pretty much have sewn up the sign, and if that is true. Unbelievable signing for the Dragons. Replacement for Corey Hill. Unfortunately, because of his form, he's probably end up going to pl not playing that many games for him. But still, great pickup if it happens. I've probably said it about about 20, 30 times on this podcast, probably. But um, yeah, hopefully that's going to happen. Um, and obviously, just a, a quick one on... The Welsh and Scottish players playing in the European games this weekend. Now, anyone listening to the podcast last week was going, Mike was gloating because he had five players um, playing the European Cup final, um, the Champions Cup final. He was like, oh, any Welsh, any Welsh, any Welsh. And me, stupidly enough, completely forgot about it. Thomas Francis. Thomas Francis will be playing in that Champions Cup final. Um, hopefully Mike does listen to this poll. We usually do have a good listen. Um, so, yeah, Mike... Thomas Francis playing. It's not five. It's not five Welshmen, but at least it's one. Um, but yeah, good luck. Obviously, Bristol are playing too loud and you've got Johan Lloyd, Dan Thomas and Callum Sheedy. And then obviously for the um, for Exeter, you've got Thomas Francis, Stuart Hogg, um, Johnny Gray, Sam Skinner, Sam Hidalgo Klein, and you've got Finn Russell for Racing. So yeah, hopefully they all go well. Hopefully none of them get injured. Uh, so they can turn up for their teams as well. So, yeah, good luck to their players. Um, I'm going for a Bristol win. I'm going for Exeter win as well. Just because Thomas Francis plays for Exeter. Right, Fab, so now we've done the news, I'll, uh, I'm going to give a quick review of, obviously, the Pro 14 games. This is quite hard. I'm usually, like, bouncing off Mike. 
as boring as we both are, we actually think we can we can chat a bit. So it's a bit weird. This. Um, so the first game up, it was Friday night. It was uh, Dragons versus Zebra. Dragons won with a bonus point, but they made it look so hard. So, so hard. Um, I was saying the other week about the Dragons have to start showing improvements and these are the teams they have to be putting away. And I still stand by that. Jamie Roberts had an absolute blind. He looked like the old Jamie Roberts crashing the ball up. Uh, had, a, had a very, very good game. Um People are talking about Sam Davis being upset about not being in the Wales squad. Maybe Rodri Williams. Rod, uh, Sam Davis missed four kicks. He didn't have... I didn't think he had the best games needed. Rod, Rodri Williams. Um, yeah. I haven't watched it back. I only watched a bit live. I haven't watched it back. Yeah, it wasn't impressive. They should there was There was some of the mistakes they were making. Jordan Williams was pretty good at fullback, but then he's he's got that mistake in him. Um, yeah, they just let Zebra back into it. I don't know if it's a bit of rustiness or what, but in my opinion, playing Zebra at home, you should be pumping them by more than 10 points. So, yeah, it's a great win. It's a bonus point win, but, yeah, still more to do in my opinion. Moving on to the Saturday games, you've got Ospreys at home to Ulster. Ulster winning 24-12. Literally, in my notes, all I've written is rubbish. Ospreys... On the crest of a wave from that Edinburgh win, everyone was super impressed with how they played. They uh, looked a completely different team to last season. And in fairness, like Mike would say, they went back full noise. Um, I don't think they changed any players in that start at 15 to play. So they had all their internationals out there, the best team they could probably put out. And they were just really poor, really flat. Um, Ulster were quite good. Ian Henderson were one of the most stupidest things you'll ever see. It's... It, Seems like Irish players just don't want a bit of a rest because between Marnie and then what Anderson did, and I think he's copped a, a three-week ban so he can't play in the two Six Nations games. Yeah, absolute idiot. But um, no, Osprey's really poor. I thought Harry Morgan looked quite good when he came on, looked, looked sharp, and he's he's one for the future at Scrum Half. But yeah, rubbish. Literally, capital letters under this game, rubbish. Um. Next up was Munster Edinburgh. Edinburgh just in a bit of a rut. Just seemed to be in a bit of a rut. I don't know. Uh, Mike was saying obviously coming off, they haven't really had a break after losing two semi-finals. Um, and I mean for Munster, it was another win late on again. She did it in the Scarlets in the last minute. I don't think it was that late in this game, but it was very late. I mean, in fairness to Munster, Munster weren't really weren't really at full strength. I think they made five or six changes. And Edinburgh, they basically had what could probably be conceived as their best team out or one of the best teams out. They had all their big players back. Um, tough one. Tough one because they were leading that game, Edinburgh, again. So I don't know. I think it's a huge, either a huge hit in confidence or sort of expectation. The only thing I, I would say, it, it's not a knock on, on these players, but sort of last season is, is a lot like other season. After a World Cup, um, you have teams like, you know, after the 2015 World Cup, Connor won the Pro 12 as it was then. No one thought that had happened. You know, Connor are an okay team, they're a good team, but no one thought they'd win the Pro 12. 
But after the World Cup, you, you very rarely see the best players in the league. So I don't know if that's something to do. It's not a dig at Edinburgh because they still had to win them games. Everyone was in the same position. But um, yeah, it, it's, it, I think it's going to get a lot tougher them, for them as well. I mean, as most teams will, because they're going to lose a lot of their internationals. The spine of their team is going to be ripped out, which is you know similar for most teams in the league. But it might be a tough one on them. It might be something they need. Um, get some of the squad players in who might show something a bit different. But yeah, another tough loss for them. Um, now, another game A game after that was uh, Cardiff versus Connell. Good win for Cardiff, 29-7. Uh, bonus point win. I thought they were really good. Controlled it in the first half. It was a close game. Start of the second half, Connell came out flying and um, I really thought Cardiff were on the back foot they lost Dylan Lewis to a yellow card and uh, I was worried if I was honest I was worried for Cardiff um, but they bounced back they bounced back really um, uh, scored a try when they were down to 14 men it was a very very good try I think it was Hallam Amos and then they controlled the game I thought Jared Evans Sent a message to Pivot really. I thought between him and Sam Davis, obviously they got dropped from the Six Nations team. He's the one who stepped up. I thought he was really, really good. Josh Adams again. I don't know, I say it every week. Guy's class. Um, and Cardiff, a little bit like Edinburgh, they're going to sort of have their spine ripped out the team. You know, I mean, they'll keep Jared Evans, which is good. I think Cardiff are going to keep a bit of experience. Uh, but... Obviously, they're going to lose Corey Hill, Seb Davis, Josh Adams, Dylan Lewis, Reese Carey. These are big players for them. But, I mean, they're two from two. Um, so, yeah, great news for, for the Blues, my Blues. Um, yeah, great win. Also thought the young lads in the back row had a, another blind there. James Botham playing at number eight. Bit unfamiliar for him. Shane Lewis Hughes again. Um, looked like really, really good prospects which is good for Wales. Obviously, we don't have enough back rowers, do we? Um, uh, the last game I'm going to talk about, I don't really want to talk about it. I obviously picked, um, I picked the Scarlets to go and have a win, might pick Glasgow. I mean, if you look at it, we both picked Dragons, which we were right. We both picked Ospreys, completely wrong. I think I picked Munster, might pick Edinburgh. And we both picked Cardiff to win. So we haven't done too bad in predictions, but uh, I picked Scarlets to beat Glasgow. <laughs> Something about the Scarlets, they look so flat. Um, they just look poor in attack at the moment. And I don't know if it's the new coaches. Glenn Delaney was there last year, but he wasn't head coach. It seems like they've tried to beef up the pack. So the pack's actually quite strong now. But it's like they've turned out into one runners. Like they want to show that they've got this muscular presence but everyone know you know the Scarlets over years have been one of the best rugby playing teams in the league and especially in Wales and it just doesn't look right someone doesn't look right at the moment they're not scoring tries which is something they're known for um, they looked a little bit better when Patchell came on um, that's not going to help them because Patchell's going to be called up to the Welsh squad so yeah a bit of a strange one Lousy, I mean you, you're not going to win games if you're getting players sent off for, for, for tackles, stupid tackles. So Sam Lousey, dickhead, uh, as well as Ian Henderson. Um, yeah, Glasgow were all right. I, I thought they, you know, they, I thought they were the better team. They looked a bit a bit more powerful. But 
there was times in the first half where the Scarlets had plenty of ball and plenty of territory um, and just couldn't score. Just couldn't score tries. Um, so, yeah, poor, poor again, to be honest. Not quite as rubbish as the Ospreys, but poor. Something wrong in the attack. Um, I think once they get that back, when they get a bit of um, a bit more back, um, I think they'll do really well. They, they've got the strongest squad in Wales. Um, I, I, you know, I tipped them to be competing at the the top end of the table this year. So, and they've, they've they haven't won a game yet. They've lost two. So, yeah, not great. So yeah, that's that's a roundup of the Pro Fourteen. Uh, there's no Pro Fourteen games this weekend because um, I think obviously with the international break, I think they get giving the players a break with the international teams. Um, so there'll be no review next week, but obviously we'll be reviewing um, Wales, France, and Scotland, Georgia in their friendlies. Um, so yeah, we'll be talking about that. Um, before I pass you over, because what we we're trying to do, Mike's going to record his bit on the Scotland team, um, and obviously we're going to try and sort of blend it together. If we can, we're going to try. Um, obviously the Scotland squad was announced this week. Finally, after everyone else had been picked, I don't know what was Gregor Townsend was waiting for, but finally it was it was picked. Um. And like I said earlier, um, if you've read our, our Twitter feed, you can see that Mike has, has had his opinions. Um, he's a little bit upset with some of it. In fact, he texted me and said something like, I'm fuming about it. I'm fuming about it. Um, so I'm just going to give you quick my opinion. Um, this is probably a good time to give my opinion and Mike not being here because he'd probably jump down my neck. Uh, but, I mean, the Scotland squad, there was three new caps uh, Duan van der Merwe, which every Scotland fan is uh, hugely excited about. He's a very good player. Uh, Ollie Kevill, another South African loose head. And then Scott Steele, which I think has got a lot of people talking. Um, you know, he's 27. He's played for Scottish under-20s. He's, he's, he's second choice at Harlequins behind Danny Kerr. I think a lot of Scotland fans would have liked or would have thought that Sam Hidalgo Klein, albeit I understand he's on a bench, but he's on the bench for a good team and he's still getting game time. When he's been playing with the sort of second tier players at Exeter, he's played really well. Um, I was disappointed it didn't work out from Scarlet. I do think he's a good player. Um, so yeah, a bit of a shock. I mean, with Scott Steele, the other thing I found out is his, his second name, Shirley. So when you think about him being picked, surely you can't be serious. Terrible joke. Um, yeah, a bit of a shock one there. I mean, I, I'll be honest, I text Mike saying, who's, who's Scott Steele? Um, and then he sort of reminded me he played for London Irish and Harlequins, and I kind of remember him playing. But yeah, a bit, a bit of a shock there. For me, as uh, to, to me, I, I, I'm not sure... Like the Wales squad, I was I was quite happy with it. We had nine sort of nine new cap players, uncapped players that we were going to give a go. Scotland have gone with three. Whether they've got players who aren't ready for international, I don't know. I don't know if he's been adventurous enough with the, obviously the teams with no ranking points. Teams can have a, a decent show, can't they? Can show some different players. There's no sort of I'm not, I don't want to say pressure, but there's sort of no um, you know. If there's no ranking points, people aren't worried about the World Cup rankings. You can try some different players. So maybe he could have thrown another few different players in there. I mean, 
my point there is you've got Blair Cowan getting recalled. He's, he's 34. Um, I'm sure he's been called up for a reason. He must be playing well for London Irish. But 34, is there no other flanker in Scotland? Young flanker who's coming through? Uh, Matt Ferguson or something? Uh, Rob Harley? He had a decent game against Glasgow. But is Rob Harley really going to improve it? I don't know. Obviously, you can let me know. Um, the other the other point there is obviously uh, Mike was talking about uh, and a few other people on on Twitter were talking about Ben uh, Bellicott uh, wasps. Um, I can only imagine he either doesn't want to play for Scotland or he hasn't been asked. And I'd be shocked if he hadn't been asked because he's young. Um, he's obviously playing in a good team. He's done well when he's played. Um, maybe he's been sounded out by Eddie Jones. I don't know. Um, I just think obviously picking a twenty-seven-year-old uncapped player who's sort of second choice at Harlequins. Um, I don't know. I don't think it's inspiring for Scottish fans. Um, and I think Scotland's problem with the scrum halves is. Out of the three scum halves he's picked, two of them are just two of them are um are subs. Have been you know George Horn and Scott Steele sit on the bench for their teams, majority of the time, um and this is why I've been saying to Mike about you know maybe someone Horn or Price it looks like Horn isn't the starting scrum half at Glasgow maybe he has to go to Edinburgh so he's starting all the time. I think then you can get um real competition. Um, so yeah I mean those are my sort of thoughts I mean to be honest if I look at that Scotland squad it's one of the best squads I've had for years they're starting to show strength they've got strength in the forwards uh, be interesting to see how Oli Cabell gets on uh, at international level same with Duan. obviously Duan looks like uh, looks really talented looks really talented doesn't he um, but I think he will get targeted more uh, in international rugby Um it's just a different level. Whether, I mean, he might find it a bit more easy because there's no crowd either, so that might make it easier for. But yeah, interested to see how they go. Both look really good players. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, to me, it looked like a decent Scotland squad. Um, I know Mike was devastated that Matt Scott never got uh, a call-up. Um, I think, I'm only saying this because Mike's not here, I think that could be Matt Scott's international career done. Unless there's... A lot of injuries. Um, I think he could be done. Don't tell Mike. I said that because he will flip. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. So what I'll do now is I'll pass you over to Mike. He's going to give you your thoughts. Uh, sorry, your thoughts. His thoughts on uh, on his Scotland squad, really. Um, and we'll we'll see how it is. So uh, yeah, pass it over to you now, Mike. Okay, so uh, firstly, I'll probably start by apologising for, um, for not being on the show properly with Sean tonight. I've had some technical issues and I'm away, so it's probably best if I just send you my thoughts on the Scotland squad and a few other bits and pieces that have, uh, I find interesting. Um, going through the Scotland squad in general, I was fairly happy with it. Um, there's a few uh, people in there that... Um, Surprised me, obviously Blair Cowan being one at 34 years old. Uh, I thought he's been playing very, very well for uh, London Irish. 
I don't see him making the squad uh, for the next World Cup. But obviously, Towns is probably not looking towards that. He may just be trying to protect some of the players from uh, from Glasgow and Edinburgh, like not playing Bradbury. I'm not sure if Bradbury's injured. He didn't come up initially as injured to start with. Um, so, but it's a good opportunity for him to uh, to get a few more caps. Um, going through the rest of the squad, uh, I think it's Jamie Batty. Uh, no issue with him being in the squad, just he's not played much rugby uh, this season. Um, and again, I know Ollie Cabell was brought into the squad, but I was surprised to see no Alan Dow. I thought he'd have made the squad. He's been a been ever ever present since uh, Townsend picked the squad. Um, Previously, I've given quite a hard time. Uh, Rob Harley getting into the squad. Normally, that had been something that would have upset me, but uh, I actually think he's been playing the few games he's played this season and, and the Edinburgh games as well. Probably been some of the best rugby he's played. Don't know if that's uh, we've been bulking up a little bit. Maybe not bulking up with muscle, but bulking up with size, definitely. Uh, he seems to be a lot more aggressive and uh, he's just an absolute nuisance uh, in the breakdown. Um. What else? What else? What else has been a surprise for me? Um, it's good to see Richie Gray make the squad again. I don't think his form has been particularly good since he's stuck back at Glasgow. Uh, but it's still good to see him in the squad. He's a he's a quality operator, and if he can get back to anywhere near his best, he's definitely going to give competition to like so Johnny Gray, Grant Gilchrist, Sam Skinners, and Ben Toulis, etc., etc. Um, so looking at I'm just going through some of my notes. Um. I was surprised, like I said, about Cowan being in the squad. Um, I thought someone like Tom Gordon, a younger player, um, would have uh, would have been in the squad ahead of uh, ahead of Blair Cowan. Blair Cowan has played a lot of rugby this season, so he's definitely match fit, uh, and he and he can cover. He probably cover six, seven, and eight if needed. Um, but it's a shame that someone like Tom Gordon hasn't made the squad. But probably good news um, uh, for Glasgow because um, they'll be able to keep him for that. Um, <clears throat> going through no other real big surprises from what I've seen I thought Blade Thompson was injured he came off in the last Scarlet's game I think but it uh, looks like he's actually going to be alright um, so um, forward yeah no real big surprise Bradbury probably the one I'd say but I wasn't sure if he was injured um, So and obviously Blair Cowan being in the squad so overall fairly happy with that um, going into the backs, this is probably where I had a few of my issues with the Scotland squad. Um, so I'll start with scrum half position. Um, so I've, I would say I've probably got no issue with uh, Scott still making the squad. Um, I've watched him play a couple of times for Harlequins and he's actually been very, very decent. Um, I had a few debates with um, a few people on Twitter about it and they're saying that he's probably played a bit more game time than Sam Hildago Klein. Um, and in fairness, you know he hasn't got a, a great pack like um, Sam Hildago Klein has got, so it's it's probably harder for someone like Scott Steele to shine. And he has played very very well, but he is very much third choice um, behind Danny Kerr and um, the Argentine that's there as well. Um, and at 27, getting your first calf, you know better late than never, I suppose. Or your first call up anyway, better late than never. So it'll be interesting to see how he goes. If we were going for free scrum off, obviously I'd have gone with. Sam Hildago Klein, I think his form at exit has been very, very good, albeit behind a very, very good pack. But he's playing in the in the games, you know, the big games, uh, the uh, cup finals, and things like that now, you know, in the semi finals and things like that. So he's going to have that big game kind of mentality, which I think some of the Scottish players do need. Um, Townsend has come out apparently and said that you know part of the reason with Sam Hildago Klein not 
getting um, picked is that Steele could come into the Scotland squad sooner, which means he can learn the systems and things like that. Which, you know, that's a fair one, that's a good point, but, you know, there's going to be quite a lot of games between uh, now and end of November, so there's plenty of time for him to learn the systems, I think. So um, I don't really massively buy into that. Um, but for Sam, Sam Hubbard's client, I suppose it's good for him to concentrate on the on the two cup finals he's got coming up. Um, and hopefully we'll get to see him uh, in a Scotland shirt again in the future. Um, what else do I have? Uh, Jacko van der Waal, obviously he's not in the squad, but he's going to be doing some training with them, which is good to see. He's going to be eligible in, eligible in November. Um, so happy with that. I quite like to see Jacko van der Waal, although he's had a, probably not the best start to the season. Um, be good to see him in a Scotland shirt uh, as and when he becomes eligible. Um, I think be very difficult for him to get a game, but I imagine Scotland will try and get him capped. Um, uh, in either the, I think it's eligible in the last two games he's eligible for, so they try and get him capped in that. Um, which for me, if he's going to be playing the last two games, I don't really understand the donkey wear call up. Um, it's not. I, I, I think we've seen what donkey wear can do for Scotland, and you know if Hastings, uh, Russell, and Jacko all get injured, then obviously he'd send an SOS for donkey wear, but. At the moment, he wouldn't. I don't think he's someone to take Scotland forward. Uh, and coming from that, I'll go into my my probably my biggest gripes that I've got with the squad is I've got nothing against Nick Grigg. Uh, he's a good club player. Um, I think we've seen everything we're going to see off from him uh, as an international. I don't think he's got that. You know, he's a steady, steady pro, good player, definitely punch above his weight. But for me, he's not international standard. And when you've got players like. I know um, Hutchinson's injured, but you've got players like um, Matt Scott and um, Matt Bennett, you know, staying at the clubs and, and not making the squad. I think there's a, I think that that for me is an issue. I think both them players are, are better and offer a lot more than Nick Grigg, particularly on the national stage. So um, yeah, a bit disappointed that that Nick Grigg's gone. Even someone like a Pete Horn, I'd probably take before I take take a um, a Nick Grigg. Um, that's not trying to do him a disservice. I just think there's, they offer a lot more, particularly on the on the um, international stage. Quite looking forward to see James Lang uh, make the squad. Um, I think he'll be playing in the game against uh, Georgia because unless they use that game to try and give Sam Johnson some game time, um, it's blown my mind that Sam Johnson's made the squad considering he's not played a minute of rugby since since COVID st- started. Um, don't get me wrong uh, very very good player he's done very very well for Scotland but uh, for players like Mark Bennett and um, and Matt Scott who have played a lot of rugby um, you know and put the hands up for, for a place you know Sam Johnson hasn't played any rugby whatsoever so I don't understand how he can be uh, making a squad before for players that are playing week in week out as good as he is um, but seeing James Lang, who's done very, very well at Harlequins, you know, I, I, I would like think he'll get a game, particularly either in the the George or the Wales game. He'll get a game at twelve. Uh, he's a very good player, and he just had his injury problems, um, so hopefully he's put that behind him, and we'll get to see him in a in a Scotland shirt as well. Uh, where are we going from there? Um, so good to see Hugh Jones back in the squad. Be interesting to see if he's there as a out and out 13 uh, and out and out 15 or just there purely as a utility black back. Uh, the game it's Georgia. Uh, Hogg won't be available for neither will Johnny Gray uh, or Sam Skinner um, I think because they're playing the Premiership Cup final. 
against Wasps for Exeter. So I would imagine with Blair Kingle having been injured, Hugh Jones could come in at 15 in that game against Georgia. That'll be interesting to see. Uh, but if Kingle is fit, then I would expect Kingle to start. I would still like to see, I'd like to see if Sam Johnson is fit, Sam Johnson and, and Hugh Jones go again at 12 and 13, because I think that's Hugh Jones' best position. But I think um, Chris Harris probably owns that 13 shirt at the moment. And he did very, very well in the, in the Six Nations. And he's been very, very good for Gloucester. Um, my only issue with Sam Johnson and uh, and Chris Harris in the centre is it's a very very safe pairing and there's not really much wow or X factor in that kind of centre partnership. You're relying very much on on a on a Finn Russell to to unlock unlock the defence there with that. Um, moving on to the wingers, um, you've got uh, obviously uh, Duran Van der Merwe uh, called up. Uh, which is absolutely amazing and very excited to see what he can do in a Scotland shirt. He's been unbelievable for Edinburgh for a good few seasons now. Uh, and him and be quite interesting to see who starts. I imagine they'll give him a start straight away. I'd put Duhan straight in if I was them. Um, but it'd be interesting to see if they go Darcy Graham or Maitland on the other one. Or I suppose Maitland could cover at fullback as well if needed, as Darcy Graham could as well, I expect. But um, no real issues with with any of the any of the um, the back three players I think Damien Hoyland's done well at Edinburgh this season when he's uh, when he's when he's played um, so fairly fairly happy with that um, I don't think I had any real issues with it I was think, thinking about some of the players that could start <clears throat> I imagine Hastings will probably play the first game against Georgia um, I know Finn Russell's going to be back with the squad now but I think they'll probably give him the um, I think they'll give Hastings the the Georgia game just to see how he goes, and um, and then I think come come the Wells game, it wouldn't surprise me if if Finn Russell is uh, is is back in the, in the driving seat, back in the ten position. Um, that's nothing against um, Hastings or how he played for Scotland. He was very very good in the Six Nations, but I think since the start of the season, he's I don't think he's really hit hit top form. I think he's he's struggling to control games. Um, whereas although Russell is behind a very very good pack at Racing, he seems to me to um, just be taking his game up to up to new levels, and um, I think he'll play play the the more important game against Wales, um, and it'll be interesting to see how he goes. Um, saying that, you know, if Hastings plays against Georgia, scores three tries, and man of match performance, it would be very very difficult to to drop him. Um, but I would definitely say Finn Russell still in the driving seat. His his club form has been unbelievable um, this season, and um, I think for Scotland to really want to try and push on and um, perform well uh, against Wales and in the this Eight Nations tournament, I think you, you've got to play your best players in the best positions. So I think Russell will uh, will come straight back in um, after the Georgia game and play ten. So I think for me. I think that's pretty much my um, quick, very, very quick run through of the um, Scotland team. It's like for me, no, I know there's quite a few injuries, players missing, but um, and the main one for me, obviously, being a, a huge Matt Scott fan, very, very disappointed to see Matt Scott not in the squad, particularly because he has been playing quite well for, for Leicester, albeit they're, they're, Leicester haven't been playing very well themselves. He's, he's done pretty well there. Uh, he's had to do a lot of defending, which isn't a the best part of his game but he's, he's defended well uh, and the other thing is like Mark Bennett I just think Sam Johnson hasn't played any rugby Nick Grigg isn't in my opinion as good as, as a Mark Bennett um, so disappointing that them two have both missed out uh, 
and, and, and particularly Greg has been given the nod um, not really um, what I'd expected but for the rest of them the three new call-ups um, Steele um, Van der Merwe and Ollie Kebble I've not really mentioned Ollie Kebble yet um, it's a really good opportunity for them good to see uh, Ollie Kebble's been very very good since the restart arguably he's been um, Glasgow's best best player since the since the restart uh, and he can play either side um of the scrum um so quite like that. i mean but however the georgia game probably isn't that is, is not sitting them the, the game that they're, they're aiming for will be the wales game to start with i know they've got the the game against georgia and i don't know if he's going to use that game to to try and blood some of his players so it wouldn't surprise me maybe if ollie kebble did start that game um but for me um, I think it's Rory Sutherland should be starting that game. It's his. He he made that jersey his own in the Six Nations. Um, I'd quite like to see him start. Maybe with Ollie Kebble on the bench coming coming off to replace him. But I uh, see so he can do he can do both sides of the scrum like like Simon Bergen can. Um, maybe good to see Cornell Dupree's back in the squad again as well. He's been very very good at Worcester. Matt Ferguson, really good chance for him to try and set down a let down marker. I'd quite like to see him in the back three with um, with Hamish Watson and uh, Jamie Ritchie. I think it'll be a very dynamic back three. I think this, the second rows will be interesting. Whether it'll be Cummins and Gray. Uh, obviously, Gray won't be there for the first game, but um, I imagine it'll be Grant Gilchrist and and, uh, and Cummins. And then as we move into the um, the Wales game in the um, Eight Nations tournament, good to see what kind of partnerships they come in with Johnny Gray, Richie Gray. We good to see them two on the pitch together again. Um, Sam Skinner and uh, Scott Cummins as well coming through. I'll see if Scott Cummins can kick on any more this season. Um, and it'll be interesting to see if Rob Harley's there as a second row or if he's there for a back row cover. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if Rob Harley plays the the game against Georgia as well. Um, and then the back and then and the back line. I would like to see for the first game against Georgia. He's probably going to go with uh, Ali Price, but I suppose. Uh, George Horn could probably do with some great game time, um, so it'll be interesting what he does there. Um, I reckon Steele will be on the bench for that one. Um, obviously, at ten, he's going to go with. I would expect um, Adam Hastings. Um, probably give. I'm not sure if he good Sam Sam Johnson the game time if he needs if he's fit. If not, it'll be James Lang because he's the only other twelve in the team. Uh, and it would surprise us Chris Harris at thirteen. Uh, Duan on one wing, Graham on the other with. Uh, King on if he's fit fullback. If not, it may end at fullback. I don't think Hugh Jones is going to be at fullback. I think Hugh Jones is going to be a bench player throughout this um, these internationals because he can cover technically he can cover 12, 13 wing and fullback. So he's going to be I think used more as, as that kind of player during the Six Nations. However, but not Six Nations. Sorry, over these international games. But I would like to see him at thirteen. Um, I quite like to see him with James Lang actually at twelve. I think that'd be a, a, a quite a mobile. 12, 13, and uh, but how good defensively they'd be, I'm not not too sure. So yeah, uh, so that's my thoughts again. Once again, sorry it's not because um, normally Sean would be like asking me questions and telling me I'm wrong and things like that. Um, it's just me giving my opinions very very quickly. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have very good uh, reception where I am. It's absolutely freezing cold, and uh, so I apologise again. But uh, hopefully. Um, 
this gets through to you and uh, Sean doesn't criticise my picks too much. Um, I'm trying to think who'll be captain for the first game against Georgia with no Johnny Gray or Stuart Hogg. Um, so I'm trying to have a look now who I think it'll be. Maybe Gilchrist, Grant Gilchrist, maybe captain the team. Or McAnally. Uh, or McAnally or Brown start. Fraser Brown's probably in the better form. But um, yeah, so I think maybe McAnally or Brown will be captain for the first game, depending on which one starts. Um, and I think that's it from me, guys. So um, uh, I'll hand it back over to Sean and uh, hopefully see you in a week or two. Cheers, guys. So uh, those are th Mike's thoughts on the uh, Scotland squad. Um, obviously, in the next two weeks, we're going to talk about it a little bit more. Um, obviously, well, we've got the friendlies, and then we've got the big one between uh, Wales and Scotland. Wales and Scotland, the Six Nations, and empty Scarlets. Um, yeah, interesting, interesting couple of weeks. Hopefully, we next week we just sorted out our technical difficulties. And we'll be able, obviously be able to be able to bounce off each other. The episode is better when we can have a bit of banter and we can talk to each other, bounce off each other. Um, if we can't get Mike, we'll maybe try and get uh someone else into to guest with me. So if anyone's anyone's interested, let me know. Um, but thanks very much for listening. Like you say, unfortunately, it is a little bit staggered. It's not not the same sort of episode you'd usually get. Pretty sure no one wants to listen to me just rabbiting on. Uh, but same again thanks very much for uh, for listening if you could we appreciate it if you could give us a review on apple podcasts or spotify or google Podcasts, wherever you listen um it all helps us with uh, exposure and obviously um uh, building the pod if you do want to ask us any questions if there's anything you want me to talk about next week because obviously we're going to talk about the friendlies but if there's any other subjects you want me to talk about get in touch with us on uh, on twitter at dt rugby pod and on Instagram and Facebook, which is just Dragon Thistle Rugby. Um, if you message us or put anything on there, we will definitely get back in touch with you. Um, we don't mind a good debate um, if there's anything you disagree with. Um, but yeah, thanks very much uh, for listening. Obviously, with everything that's going around, um, stay safe. Thank you very much. <laughs>